push the button. UFC Fight Pass presents Extra Rounds. Live from the Fight Pass studios in Southern California, it's Extra Rounds, along with Ray Longo and Pearl Gonzalez. Here's your host, TJ DeSantis. Extra Rounds. It is Extra Rounds, courtesy of UFC Fight Pass. I'm TJ DeSantis, Pearl Gonzalez, a black screen. I'm going to go ahead and press, press this button. <laughs> so we're here. And now I press this button, and there she is, Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, Wait, Pearl- we got to start off the show. Before we get started, Thea made me a whole little setup here, so let's let's just do it and get it over with. Thea made me a hottie toddy today. So I have, here's my here's my tea here, this beautiful tea. And okay. it's perfect for fall weather. I'm now in Chicago, and it's really fall here. And then here's a shot of some rum, and we're just going to do this. So cheers, TJ. Okay, well, enjoy. Um, I'm going to wait for you to drink that down before I ask your next question because it might make you laugh. Uh, the hottie toddy is that warm? Oh my god, what is what's wrong with you? Are you okay? I, I'm not a yeah, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't know, but I, <laughs> I assume the hottie toddy is, is warm, is that correct? Ooh, yeah, so it's a hottie toddy is uh, usually tea, and they either put and they put a shot of alcohol inside of the um and tea, so that's what makes it a hottie toddy. Okay, is that why the front part of your hoodie is just randomly missing? <laughs> Uh, TJ, this is the style, and it's oh. very stylish, and I thought it would look great on camera today. Let me you just say, like no, I like it. I'm just saying, like, again, you can do things that I can't do. <laughs> if I show up with just the shoulder part of a hoodie, <laughs> this is no longer going to be a very wildly popular show on UFC Fight Pass. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. I love it. All right. So uh, we got things to do today. Uh, a right. lot a lot to break down, and oh my gosh. I don't want to, like, bury the lead, so we should probably recap the main event that we saw last Saturday night. It went down inside the apex. It was uh, Tiago Mejeta Santos taking on Johnny Walker. You know what? Full stop. We've got so many things to do today. I forgot. Coming up later today. On extra rounds, we've got uh, interviews with the Orlando Magic's Michael Carter Williams. Uh, we're going to talk to him about how big of a UFC fan uh, he is. We will also chat with Norman Chad, truly one of my uh, favorite individuals when it comes to uh, sports commentary and, and poker. So I got to get that in there, Pearl. Or they're going to get really mad at me. So, ooh, thanks. did you get any? Did you get any uh, tips and tricks on poker? Um, you know, I, I never would take tips or tricks from anyone that plays poker on how to play poker because I think they're just going to take my money. You know what I'm saying? What? Yeah. Like you don't give. Listen, I am a blackjack enthusiast right now and I'm really trying to learn how to play. So I want all the tips and tricks. I want to know how and where and why. Okay. Stop a second. What you just said was essentially, I'm going to, I'm going to break it down. I'm a really big basketball fan. So I need all the tips on football. Blackjack is not poker. It's not, but it's also another game that might be exciting to play. And if I decide to play it, I'd like to know some tips and tricks on it. On that note, let's let's get back to what I was talking about <laughs> beforehand. Johnny Walker uh, and uh, Tiago Mahenta Santos went to war. I love the style of Johnny Walker. Like Johnny Walker just looks like a good time. Oh my goodness, he does. I was saying that as he was walking out like, how much fun is he having? And, like, this is how you know win, lose, draw, whatever happens in the fight. Like, 
it's all worth it. The injury, the preparation, the sacrifice, everything. When you walk out like that, you know that this man truly enjoys and is very passionate in what he does. It goes back to that saying, I think Chuck Liddell said it, like the work is done in the room and the reward is going out to fight. You get that vibe with Johnny Walker. Yes. And he looks so cool, like the hairdo, the whole vibe. I mean, even if you watch that walkout, like his corner was out there doing the dance and it was like a little choreographed dance. It was awesome. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, I wonder if I can get my non-goatee to uh, grow into whatever Johnny Walker's got going on there. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think we should we should do that. We no, should try it out. Let's not do that because it looks really bad. It's also gray before it ever grew in. So, That's, unfortunately. Salt and pepper is so in, TJ. No, no, it's, it's, so it's just salt, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Holland taking on Kyle Dawkins, And, like, I don't even know... Where to begin? Uh, like I said, we were kind of burying the lead if we didn't talk about the main event, but this is truly the uh, the lead here. Um, Kyle Dock has taken on Kevin Holland. Holland, you know, on the uh, cusp of, of the, the rankings, I think number 14 coming into uh, this fight on uh, Saturday night. And, you know, Holland is a, a true commodity. I don't think that number 14 next to his name really sort of tells you how truly good Kevin Holland is. He can beat anybody on any given night. And, uh, you know, Kyle Dawkins wanted to prove that he can beat Kevin Holland. And he did, but kind of not at the same time. Obviously, uh, some craziness goes down. Uh, we see, a, uh, I mean, what can we say? Like, it's a foul. Like, there's no other way to put it, right? It's a foul. Uh, absolutely, 100%. I mean, he was out and, uh, you know, he got knocked out and then he got woke back up probably by a punch. And um, I think the ref was just kind of confused here, like what to do. And right. see, he went in and then he's like, oh, shit, he's now he's moving around. So let me let me get involved. And like, let's, let's like, look at that. Like, he's he's gone. He's not out. on the planet right there. And then he wakes I'm back up. you. I had time to think about this, and I the exact same way I have been knocked out in training, and it's no joke. You're literally out. Like, I was done for the day. After that, I was done. Here we have Kevin Holland fighting off. I think he fought off two Darces after this. I mean, this man was still fighting, and, and still fighting intelligently, if you will, because he fought off some really tight submissions before he eventually got submitted. But, right. like, he was still pretty coherent for not being – coherent and right. so he's fighting off just, instinct right like that's what that is that just shows you how special of a fighter kevin holland really is i mean and he's just he's a different what makes this man so special is he's a different style fighter he's talking to 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 uh daniel cormier and responding to the commentary i mean uh, dc's like you know he's long and, and kevin holland looks over he's like he's so fucking long like this dude is like literally having a full-on conversation and then he stops the takedown and looks over at and says, I got a little bit better, right? I, and, and you can tell, like, he's acknowledging his his weak points in his game. This is a very smart man. Yeah. The fact that he can be that coherent, he can have that much fun inside of a fight as he's being pressured, as he's having the fight brought to him and staying calm and, and cracking jokes is insane. What yeah. other fighter do we know that does this? Uh, I know fighters that can't even hear their cornermen, you know, much less uh, a commentator. And uh, in the moment, like when you're fighting in the moment. for your, you know, essentially life and career uh, and to still be like, have some wherewithal that Daniel Cormier is saying something that not only you hear him, you formulate your opinion and decide whether or not you want to respond with, you know what, DC, you're right. It's like, wait, what? What is, what is wrong with you? 
And it's still fighting. You're yeah. making a big piece here, and you're still right. able to make very intelligent decisions right. at the same time. Like a fight alone is a car crash in itself over and over and over again. You're dealing with hands, you're dealing with a head, you're dealing with kicks, you're dealing with wrestling, you're dealing with the cage, you're dealing with the ref. There's so many pieces to the puzzle that's happening all in one second, and you're having conversations. It's fucking insane. Right, and this headbutt is also insane because Kyle Dawkins oh couldn't God. have thrown that if he wanted to, if it was a legal strike. And again, Kevin Holland fights through it, ultimately ends up getting submitted. Herb Dean is the replay official at the time. He tells Dan Mergliata, look, this is on the replay. Do you want to look at it? It, you know, it's up to you on whether or not you felt it impacted the fight. Uh, Dan Mergliata takes a look at it, decides that, yeah, it definitely impacted the fight. You can see that, uh, that light on display. This is the first time this replay rule has really come into uh, effect since its in, you know, inception, the way that uh, I think it was designed to, to be made for. So you see the, the light. Dan Mergliata, again, was initially stepping in. Now, I don't know if he saw the headbutt at that time. Um, and, and regardless of what he says, you don't know because it's the hardest job ever. It, it truly is the Absolutely. hardest job ever. And, you know, obviously it's, it's very clear upon the replay, but you know, in, in real time, right. It, right. In real but, time it's so different. And you know, hats off to Dan. He's one of the best refs in the game. I mean, this man is, he's been in, been in the fight game for a very long time. Over a decade. He knows, he knows what he's doing in there. You know, he's a great referee. So like, Oh, like in the moment, how do you deal with that? And I think that if he had he have stopped the fight, like it's like, oh, I'm taking this opportunity away from Holland, who can fight back and get back and is clearly coherent. Um, you know, so like it, it is, it's such an interesting place to be. And it is, it's really awesome that we got to witness this with our own two eyes. Right. So getting back to the rules, the first time this is really set, sort of overturned anything and, uh, you know, a lot of people I saw initially didn't like it because they saw a submission, right? They saw Kevin Holland tap out. Um, it looked like Dawkins got the biggest win of his career, and we were operating as such. And then, obviously, we see Herb Dean, you know, turn the light on, and, and the replay rule comes in and, and does what it did. So the question to you, Pearl, did the replay rule get it right? A hundred percent. 100%. I was, you know, I was watching this and I was like, oh, God, like, what a tough place for Kevin Holland to be, right? He's had two huge fights in front of him that he unfortunately lost, right? And then he's got another fight like this. Like, what are the odds that something insane like this happens to this man? And he is. He's gifted. He's a great fighter. He's exciting. So three losses in a row, like, that's rough. Right. And when you watch this, watch, he's out. He's clearly impacted by a headbutt here. And we see Dawkins, uh, you know, poor Dawkins, because yes, all of his fight and his skills are com are being completely ignored by this, but he accidentally headbutted him. Right. The fight is, he, he's out, he's out. And had they have stopped the fight there, it probably would have come to a no contest. Kevin Holland fights back, hats off to Dawkins for being like, what the fuck, I don't know what's happening. And right. he just continues his fight and continues to throw on submission after submission, and then is not stopping. It's clearly wanting to win this fight and, and make a statement. So, yes, absolutely. I think the replay rule was 100% on. And what better, what better, how, what a treat to us fans, right? Because now we get to watch these two dudes go at it again. Right. And the incentive to watch, there's drama there now, too. You know, this is the, the second chapter. Now, I, I saw some people saying, look, 
Kevin Holland fought through it. That's why, you know, DACA should have been able to, uh, you know, get the win and, and have it stand. And, and to that, I say, what are you talking about? Because what was Kevin Holland supposed to do? Kevin Holland might not have even known that he took a headbutt in that moment. He was separated from consciousness for a brief moment, fought on instinct. W what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to, you know, bitch and moan to the referee and say, look, I was fouled? There's no time for that in mixed martial arts. No, not, in, not when you have someone on top of you. He probably was woken up from his head hit planning, face planning the match right. and, and hitting the canvas. And now, had, had Dawkins have hit him and knocked him out with a kick, an elbow, a knee, a punch, now this is completely different. But this is a headbutt. Right. And, and he was going in for a takedown. And Holland was doing the right thing, defending the takedown. So he got, he got caught with, a, with the head, you know? And it, it is. It's an accidental thing. It, it's not, it wasn't right had they have given the fight to Dawkins. It would have been such a shitty, like, outcome for Holland to go through and hats off to Holland. You know, he comes out in his presser, in the post-fight presser, and is like, I basically just got knocked out and choked out in the same damn night. Right. The same fight. He did. And, you know, he, he was like, I lost. But if you really do go, and that's, this is fighter mentality, man, you know, it, it, that shows how much of a warrior Holland really is. But it's only fair that they make this a no contest and they run it back. And right. I mean, what a treat for us. We get to see it again. There's only one call. Well, there's two calls that would have been really bad here. One, if Darkus would have got his hand raised and, and would have won the fight. Two, if Darkus would have got disqualified for a foul ending the fight, because that would have been wrong as well. Absolutely. That was majorly wrong. And, you know, those are the only two things that I think you can really bemoan here. Like, this is the right answer. And that's what the replay rule is supposed to do. It's supposed to get us to the right answer. Does it piss some people off? Yeah, of course it does. But that's what tough calls do. Right, right. So, it, it, it creates emotion. And, you know, I think that not only was it the right call, but again, lucky us we're in for another treat these guys are running it back november 12th right okay let's that do quick. it you know that damn Absolutely. quick and it, it leads me to something else that i want to do here on extra rounds because replay is relatively new in the way that it stands now where a fight can basically be restarted if it needs to be uh, in nevada nevada is sort of the trailblazers with this um and it kind of made me think well what happened what would have happened if we had replay back in the day. So I grabbed a couple of clips and we're gonna make you be the replay official, Pearl Gonzalez. We're gonna look at some, uh, you know, instances where, you know, if replay would have been consulted, maybe we would have uh, come to a improper or, or pr more proper just uh, decision. So, uh, okay, you, re let's see. I'm you ready? Let's do it. All right, here we go. So like, first off, let's go with uh, Andre Arlovsky. Okay, this is Andre Arlovsky uh, taking on Aaron Brink at UFC 28. It is Andre Arlovsky's UFC debut. Um, Aaron Brink here oh, getting shit. arm barred. And did you see what happened? Yes, I did. So uh, there it is. Okay. Uh, so question in this fight here. Was, was the, was, were you allowed to grab the cage? No, grabbing the fence was illegal. Because that's, that's what Arlovsky did. Because I mean, he yeah. he pulled himself into that armbar. Because Brink was going to, yeah, Brink was going to secure the position. Let's watch it again. Because I, uh, yeah, do it again. All right, so let's pull it back up here. Um, might have to have a little bit of a, a re-queuing, uh, unfortunately, because Andre Lofty celebrating. So here we go. Here's the 
you see Brink coming out on top here, and then boom. I mean, that's not even a subtle fence grab. That is a. I mean, I, I think I think the cage actually won that fight via armbar, and Arlovsky was just a, a bystander. It's totally like uh, you would have to you'd have to you'd have to call that. I mean. He wouldn't have been able to get up without that, without the fence. And right. so the fence is what he he used to, to get himself up. And that clearly put him right in a perfect position for an armbar. So, yeah, that, that should have been called there. And in that situation, I think because as long as Aaron Brink can continue and his arm isn't broken from the armbar, I think you restart that fight. I don't think 100%. we have to have a rematch. I think, you know, the, the replay official goes, look, clearly grabbed the fence. It led to the submission. Let's just go. Time in. Go. So well, this leads me to a question. So if that were to have happened in real time now, the the referee can say, let's restart the fight? I believe so. That's the thing wow. that I don't totally know because, uh, again, this is something that happened very quickly, you know, during this whole, you know, year inside the Apex. Nevada saw something wrong uh, in a fight. I believe Ed Herman was involved and they made replay because that was the thing you could always use replay or for a long time you could use replay in the state of nevada but once replay was called upon you could not restart the fight and again wow and holland it wasn't restarted but we got to the right answer here with a non-concussive blow or submission causing a fighter to lose i think replay can allow us to go look we made a mistake the fight shouldn't have ended this way as long as you're able to continue the fighter that was fouled do you want to continue and if not then we're going to call it a no contest but if you can continue we're going to restart you in a similar position prior to the foul that would be fucking amazing if they would do that if, if that fight right there was restarted how oh my god that would be insane and to me like that's so it's so right. You know what I mean? I don't know what the right word is for it, but geez, that would be amazing because there are instances like that that happen in the fight all the time. And it's like you get one chance, one opportunity, one second, and then it's all over. Right. I love so, that. yeah. All right. So we're going to make uh, Pearl Gonzalez continue with the, uh, right. the the judging here. So let's go back to uh, Gray Maynard and the Ultimate Fighter 5 finale taking on Robert Emerson. Big pickup slam here for Maynard. We see Rob Emerson tap. That's a wrap. But Gray Maynard, he kind of knocked himself unconscious. Oh, shit. Let me see that again. We will. Uh, we got to... You see, I wish I could just cue this up the way that you want me to, like on demand, but I cannot. This doesn't work that way. We'll get there eventually. Uh, let me do this, and I do this, and I do that, and here we go. Gray Maynard going for this big double Great. leg. Elevate. Boom. Oh, he's, he's out. He's so out. He's out. So, Pearl Gonzalez, replay official, says, look, we have evidence to suggest that before the tap, Gray Maynard was unconscious. There was a tap. We can't deny that. But replay shows that Maynard was probably unable to continue before the tap. What do we do? You give the fight to who to Greg Maynard. He was the one that that got that. And the, the guy, even whether or not he was knocked out, which he was clearly out. But um, he was the one that was initiating the fight, and Emerson, he was done. Right. He said, that was it. I have enough. I don't want to fight anymore. So you're siding with Gray? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely in that position. I mean, I, he tried. He was the one trying to get the finish, trying to, to advance to a better position, trying to win the fight. 
So yeah, I agree with you. He got taken down and he was done. He didn't want to fight anymore. I agree with you because he, here's the big difference here. And we'll look at the replay again. Gray Maynard obviously executes the technique that he was going for against Robert Emerson. Big takedown. Yes, Gray is hurt. But at no point is Gray Maynard unintelligently defending himself. Absolutely. Because Emerson's not throwing anything his way. Now, if Emerson would just not quit, he's going to win the fight. But right. he quits. And, right. you know, that's, that's why the referee stepped in. If the referee stepped in because Gray Maynard was unconscious and then Rob Emerson taps, well, then I think you can look at the replay and go, well, your tap doesn't really matter. Gray Maynard was unconscious. But I digress. It, uh, it happened this way. Rob that Emerson so taps. Cool. Yeah. So dope. What, a, what an interesting fight. But yeah, no, I, I give it to Gray. Gray uh, was advancing. He was he was trying to win the fight. And uh, the other, what was the other guy's name? I'm sorry. Robert Emerson. Emerson clearly didn't want to fight anymore. He didn't want to fight anymore. What happened? I believe it was called a, uh, a no contest or a draw. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, wow. So I got called. What, did they ever end up turning this over? Or I, I, don't, I, I don't think they had a rematch, but Gray Maynard went on to fight for the UFC lightweight championship twice. Uh, no contest. Thank you, Frankie, our producer, letting me know. Um, it, it's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. Um, the, oh, my goodness. And, this and, is the joy of well, MMA is crazy things like this. This sport is so cool. It's so real. Well, it's what's kind of funny about that is they did use replay, but I don't know if they were supposed to. <laughs> because... Did they? Well, I mean, that's the only real reason you would come to the idea that Gray Maynard didn't win the fight. Because, like, Steve Mazzagotti steps in because Rob Emerson taps. But when everything sort of, like, shakes out in the wash, they're like, well, he was out when you tapped. So, I... I don't know. It's, it's, it was the wrong answer. And uh, today, I think maybe we'd use replay to get it right. Yeah, and I would think that Gray would win that. Because yes. was he out Was he out before the tap? I mean, again, he, yeah. Because, I mean, he hit his head on the, on the, on the floor. Yeah, so, true. yeah, he's, he's out. But, but, again, the referee would stop a fight because you're concussed because you're not intelligently defending yourself. He's saving you mm -hmm. from something. Uh, mm -hmm. Unless... Unless Steve Mazzagatti was really worried about the well-being of Gray Maynard's back from taps, he didn't save him from anything. No, he had no idea what was happening. Right. That's such an interesting – I mean, that goes down to, like, football, right? Football, they're going to, like, the centimeter of where the ball is at some points. And that's, that's really cool that that's where – this is where our sport has, has come, right. is that we can, we can get to the nitty-gritty and the right. actual little tiny second. Wow. And, and that's the thing, too. When I look at replay, because in, in traditional stick and ball sports, a lot of people don't really like replay because it takes the human element out of out of games. Right. Like in baseball, we don't have a robot calling balls and strikes when it would be very easy to do so. But there's a margin of error. The umpire, it's tradition, etc. I think in combat sports, the only thing that matters because there's so much on the line is just getting it right. Let's just get the right, right. answer. No matter how we right. get there, let's just make sure we get the right answer. Absolutely. And, and it is difficult in these moments, right? Like we saw with Dan Mergley, you know, he was doing his best to, uh, he tried to get in and then he made the, and I thought he made a very intelligent decision by allowing the fight to continue. 
Right. Because Kevin Holland was coherent after right. that. Because so, th th that's the thing you, you bring up a really good point, I think, Pearl, is you don't want to interfere unless right. you have to. And especially with something like replay, we're allowed to sort of let things play out and then go back and make the right decision. Right. Right. And that's important. Like, and that's why I was like, man, hats off to Dan for not stepping in to it. Right. But then as you watch the, it play out, he right. was clear, I mean, there's no way he was responding as good as he could have had that have not happened. Um, but still hats off to the way he did treat that and respect that. Hey, let me, he's not done. Let me, let me give him his opportunity because had he have stopped the fight and he wasn't knocked out. Oh, that would be a huge upset. That'd be a huge upset. Yeah. You ready for another one? Yes. Here we go. Josh Koscheck taking on Paul Daly. This one's a little bit different because it comes down to a knee to the head of a ground opponent. Now, oh God, Dan, Dan Mergliata involved here, uh, steps in recognizes the illegal blow Koscheck clearly in some trouble bleeding i'll tell you straight up though he's not bleeding from that knee promise you promise you that because i gotta see it again oh you'll see it again or maybe you won't see it again because see, the, the knee didn't land the, oh gee. and Koscheck is selling it and uh you know we almost got a dq there dan mergliata oh, would have been within his right to uh you know take uh I, I think he did take a point away or maybe he didn't take a point away i don't remember exactly but uh the the, the point is uh dan mergliata believed that there was a foul there wasn't so we can guarantee with replay that paul daly would not have lost this fight due to in, in an illegal blow um but should we be looking at josh koscheck because the replay clearly shows you're kind of lying, lying, man. You're 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 cheating. Do you take a point away from Koscheck? Absolutely. I don't know if you take a point away, but you definitely put you. You start him up again. Time in. Yeah. Absolutely. Time yeah. to go. Yeah. But then again, you're also taking away from Paul Daly, who just had this amazing, you know, position. Ah, but you know, he did throw a knee. Let, it, let's, it was a scramble. I mean, it was a scramble. It was a scramble. But he threw a knee. He did throw a knee at. His head, right, while Koscheck was down, right. So there, he did throw an intentional illegal blow, right. It didn't land, right. Thankfully, by the, the gods, right? right. Thank God. And Koscheck, yeah, Koscheck was definitely playing that off. You know who did this too? And in, in, in a UFC event was, um, it was Courtney Casey, I believe, against Claudia Gadelha. The same thing. Uh, she threw a kick, and she was like laying on the floor like this, and and they did the replay. And when they did the replay, she missed the kick completely. Same thing. Yeah, no, that's crazy. And look at him. Yeah, oh I mean, he's, he's playing it up. Now, again. He deserves an award for that, for that act. The, that the, was a great one. The question is this, because uh, this happens a lot in, like, European soccer. You know, they, yes. they right, they the fall. Right. do this, and they're yeah. like, yes, 100%. Now, the question is, is it cheating or is that veteranship? Because... You know, if you're a savvy, experienced veteran, I, I, you know, I, is there a rule in the unified rules that says you're not allowed to lie to the referee? I don't know. I don't think so. There's not, but you know, like it's cheating. It's a hundred percent. You're cheating. You didn't get hit. You're playing it off. You're using it to the best of your ability here to, to rectify that you're winning or whatever you want to consider this. Like it's a hundred percent cheating. Do you take a point away? Potentially. I mean, it's only right. 
if don't if, write, you're cheating. I mean, how do you you're feel? How, how do you feel when when you catch someone lying to you? You feel upset and angry, right? You feel like I there should be some hell to pay, right? Like, As a matter of fact, Courtney Casey, that you know, the only reason why I think personally I am. I have emotions towards this feeling is because when I fought Courtney Casey, the same thing happened. She was, um, she downplayed a couple of the, she was pretending and she comes from a soccer, a professional soccer background. So it makes a lot of sense. Right. And there were some things that happened in the fight that were not illegal, but she played them off. And even at the end of the fight, after I submitted her, she said it was my spray tan that won the fight and like made a big deal and went and tried to like, uh, I've never heard that one before. Oh my God! So like, what, where do you go and you try to overturn the the uh, yeah the call? commission? You appeal, yeah. Yeah, appeal. She went. She she tried to appeal this, and she said it was my spray tan that did this. It was because she had like brown stuff. She had a white out fight outfit on. She had brown all over her, and she's like, it was her spray tan. When actually the braiding lady used the brown gel shit on my hair, so it wasn't the tan. It was actually the hair gel from my hair. But she was, she said that was the reason I had, I had won the fight and slipped out. Cause she put on, I mean, this lady put on like 15 submissions on me through this fight. I got out of every single submission and then ended up submitting her. And like, she played it. She, I mean, it was such a big deal, but she was cheating at the same time. She was making it seem like I was doing things that I wasn't. And uh, so I do. I do. That's I, why I have an emotional feeling to this. I, I love how you blamed like all soccer players for for <laughs> that. Like, oh, it makes sense. You played soccer, of course, of course. They do that in soccer, though. <laughs> I watch I watch these some of these replays on so in, in these football games, soccer games, and you're like, are you kidding me? You're really laying on the floor, rolling around from that. Like that didn't do anything. It, it's wrong. It should be absolutely called. All right, let's take a look at a, uh, another one uh, okay. before we move on. Um, a lot of people will remember this fight. Quinn Rampage Jackson defeats Ricardo Arona in Pride, and uh, it's a memorable one for a variety of reasons. Let's go back and, and take a look. Triangle choke, trying to be framed up here uh, by Arona. Uh, you know, high stakes in this fight is Quentin Jackson was very close to fighting for a title. Slams oh. him, knocks him unconscious. Hell of a win for Rampage, but look, he's bloody on his forehead there. He wasn't bloody before that slam. He slammed him, and and it hurt it Arona. Up. No, Quentin Jackson simultaneously headbutted him when he slammed him. And we'll, oh shit! I gotta see it again. Let's see it. Again. it it's you got you got to look at it here oh, in slow oh, motion, oh, oh, and oh, 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 and boom. Now it's not clear in the replay. No. If the headbutt is it. actually what knocked him unconscious but their heads clashed and you can't dispute it because quentin wasn't bleeding prior to that let's see let's see but he's not his head isn't even near him was it his chin look here? there it is there it is oh there it is That's see what the, the That's what put him out hell of a thing about replay is you know you can look at seven different angles and get seven different versions of the story so I'm not going to say that we have conclusive evidence that Quentin Jackson's head clashing with Arona's chin is, is what put him out, but there's an argument to be made. Pro Gonzalez, you're our review judge here. What do you say? That one, that one needs to be reviewed for a no contest because as you watch the slam, right? Ricardo Arona, as he's being thrown, he's doing the right thing as he's being slammed. He's tucking his chin there so that when he hits the mat, he does not go full on back and hit his head on the mat. But as he's going down, which he's defending very intelligently, he gets hit with that with his head. 
as he's going down. So yes, boom, boom. You would have to you would have to slow that down. We would need to watch that over again, and that probably should be a no contest. See, I think because we have to look at it again, like you're saying over and over again, multiple angles. I don't think we have conclusive evidence. I let it stand, um, but. Mm. You know, that would that would definitely change history, because if, if they had to run it back, Arona was a really, you know, high caliber. Uh, they call him middleweight and pride, but he was a light heavyweight. But but he could have changed history had he got a rematch because Quentin Jackson goes on to put on a hell of a performance against uh, uh, Vandalay Silva. It's all time great. If, if Arona, you know, puts an end to that because they run it back. I don't know what things would have looked like here in the modern day. Yeah, that's such an interesting one. I mean, that one, I would think that you would need to go back and because Rampage did the right thing by slamming him. That's when you're put in a tight choke, you don't really know how to defend it. He defended it to the best of his ability, and it was an intelligent move. He right. did that's the right thing to do. But Arona was also defending that. He was countering that very intelligently by tucking his head. Him tucking his head is what led to the headbutt. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. All right. Last one. Last one because uh, we can't. We can't. We can't argue uh, the headbutt having an impact here, but it was not necessarily anyone's fault. My buddy Sam Morgan, guy that I used to uh, hang out with in Minneapolis, taking on Josh Berkman. Um, Berkman with double unders, takedown, uh, really bad oh. elbows, but he's out before the elbows, and you can see. Yeah. Uh, you can see the uh, the replay will will sort of inform the decision. I will tell you in the moment, I wanted Josh Berkman removed from mixed martial arts competition because he just hurt my friend real bad, and I spent all of my money to go to Vegas to see this. Um, but on the replay, you'll you'll see it. It's it's just an unfortunate situation. Like when he gets the takedown, their heads are together, but it it's not a headbutt per se. It's just like the motion of the takedown just sort of goes through Berkman's head and knocks him out. If Sam's head isn't sort of stuck there by Berkman's head, he may be okay. But the fact that the head is there, it doesn't really allow Sam any sort of way to not get hit by the mat and Berkman's head all in one fluid motion. So Pearl Gonzalez, what do you say about that one? That one stands as is. Um, I believe that as he was taking him down, he did the right thing. When when you are grappling someone, you become one. You, you, your goal is to become one because now you are creating momentum and allowing momentum to, to work together. When you're apart, now it's like, oh, I move here, I pull a little bit this way, you change momentum. And so the right thing is to connect. You really want to connect in every place you can in your body to, to become one so that you control the momentum, you feel the momentum. And uh, yes, you're right. The, the impact was driven and, and there was a lot of momentum and force going through the head. But even if his head wasn't there, he, he wasn't trying to tuck his head. He wasn't, you know, you, don't, you see that. So I would leave that one as is. So when you're grappling, you try to become one. That I, I never knew that Spice Girls song when two become one was about grappling. But you learn, you learn yes. something new every day. You like always you want to become one because then you feel the momentum and you can move with the momentum and then you can manipulate the momentum. If you're not a part of that person, and then how do you feel that energy? Right. Right. You know who's really great at doing that is Valentina Shevchenko. She is incredible at uh, becoming one, attaching her body and really feeling where the momentum is. 
That's I mean, how you know they're good grapplers. Valentina's pretty great at, at everything. Speaking of good grapplers, uh, let's talk about uh, what we got coming up uh, this Saturday. UFC uh, Apex. Oh, we got a main event that uh, definitely want to keep uh, keep your eye on. Mackenzie Dern, the number four ranked strawweight, takes on the number six ranked strawweight in Marina Rodriguez. Looking at Mackenzie Dern, she's got uh, quite a bit of steam behind her. Eleven and one as a pro. Uh, obviously, comes from a, a wonderful jiu-jitsu pedigree. Multiple time Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. She's won in the last four. Seven of her eleven victories come by way of submission, and she's been in the UFC for a little while now, going back to July of 2016. She takes on a very tough Marina Rodriguez, who uh, you know no slouch in her own record. Fourteen uh, one and two uh, that ended in a draw. Fifty uh, percent of her wins. Come Come via stoppage. She's a veteran of Dana White's uh, Contender Series uh, all the way back in Season 1. She's never been finished. Uh, her sole loss was a split decision against Carla Esparza, which sort of you know puts her lower in the rankings, per se, because Carla's still very much uh, active. But this is a, a phenomenal fight. I I'm curious your thoughts on Dern uh, versus Rodriguez, Pearl. Oh, my God. This is such an exciting fight. Like I, I'm so happy for these ladies. They totally deserve this main, main event spot and position. Mackenzie Dern looks like a monster right now. You know, there was a lot of questions in the beginning of her MMA career with her making weight, and she had some issues with, with her game. And, and there were some holes, and Amanda Rivas definitely exposed those holes, right? And uh, she lost to Rivas. Since that loss, though, she has completely turned her game around um, and is this just this amazing you can tell she is she's she wants to be a champion and she's already got the champion mentality. I mean, she's coming in. She looks great. She's making weight. Look at her body. Her body has changed physically completely. Her grappling is obviously, you know, you say she's won championships, but you're not giving her credit to what some of these championships are. She's an ADCC multiple world champion. Right. ADCC is probably the highest you can go in jujitsu. So that goes to show exactly how, uh, how talented she is in grappling. Her dad was a very um, talented grappler. She's been grappling and competing her whole life. And I mean, she looks so good right now. So good. Um, we talked about her last week when I said, is there anybody that can really challenge Valentina? And I, I mentioned Dern because Dern, her grappling is that good. And, and now though, as her grappling is so good, she's really rounding out her, her striking. Her striking is looking better than ever. Right. Her strength and conditioning looks phenomenal. I mean, she just is, is really turning into a well-rounded fighter. And I do believe at some point, Dern will be a champion. Well, um, now, that, that, that's a good question. I want to stop you there because, you know, we've, we've seen her on a bit of a roll. Uh, she's an inspiration to any uh, female athlete who comes back to active competition after having a child. Mackenzie Dern, you know, could have walked away from the sport forever, but decided, look, I want to go out there and compete. This is what I, you know, am made to do. So she gets back in the octagon and has put together a, a really solid resume. If she wins this fight on Saturday, it'll be five in a row. Is it enough to get a title fight? You know, you, what you mentioned is she had a baby, but she looks better than ever yeah. after having her baby. Like, True. holy smokes, this woman is amazing. You know, it's hard. I, I want to say yes, right? Because she has a lot of momentum behind her. She's so marketable. She's She's been an amazing part of uh, jujitsu, and she's got such, you know, a big, huge, all these accolades in jujitsu. 
you would want to give her that title shot, but then you've got to look at Asparza. Asparza is here. Asparza has beat Rodriguez. So it, it is an interesting fight, and it is, and it is interesting because Asparza is also coming with a ton of wins. Um, I, but other than that, aside from that, absolutely. She, she looks like she's prepared, and so does this woman that we're watching right here. Marina Rodriguez is no slouch. I mean, she's got some amazing performances, and she's – she just, you know, she started fairly late in the game uh, coming into to the MMA world. And when you look at her record and you look at her skills and you look at her performances, you, you cannot deny how hard this woman has worked on her skills, on her, on her just being an MMA. And, and yes, yeah, she has incredible striking. I mean, she comes in, she's knocking girls out. Her, her striking is crisp, it's clean, it's ferocious, she's aggressive, she's elbowing you, she's kneeing you, she's she's throwing her kicks, and then she will if you if she catches you with her right hand, she will put you out. So this woman here is an amazing worker. Look at that, she's throwing a, a skip knee in the clinch. When have we seen that done? Right. Not very often. So you, you look at her and it's and it's like, uh, do you give her? So why does, does she get an opportunity at the shot? of the bout with with Carla Sparza. Carla Sparza is a very big piece in this puzzle here, in the straw weight puzzle, because Carla Sparza was a former champion and she right. did beat Rodriguez. This is such an amazing matchup. Both of these women are at the, they're both coming with so much momentum, having these great performances, having these wins. This fight is just, there's nothing but fireworks. So Mackenzie Dern said in her, um, in her uh, presser this, this week, she said, this fight, I, I don't really see this fight going the distance. It's going to end either by submission or by knockout. And there's no, there's no secret to what I'm here to do. I'm not here to, to prove that I'm a better striker. I'm coming in to submit Rodriguez. And Rodriguez said the same thing. Like, I, there's no, I'm, not, I'm not going to the ground. I, I'm not trying to beat her in her, her um, submissions. I want to frustrate her, and I want to piece her up, basically. I, I want to beat her on the feet. So, and, and, and she can, she can because she has knockout power. She's proven it before. She can expose, uh, she just, you know, she beat uh, Rivas by knockout. Rivas, very talented ju judo player, also a very talented uh, black belt and uh, grappler. And she was able to shut down the grappling and expose who I believe has, uh, she, uh, Rivas has better striking than Mackenzie Dern or had better striking when they fought. Very talented Rivas and she knocked Rivas out. So if there's anybody that can solve this Mackenzie Dern puzzle, expose the striking, and and potentially get a knockout, it's Marina Rodriguez. It's a, it's a phenomenal fight uh, for all the reasons that you outlined. When I look though at Mackenzie Dern, I, you know I had a, a chance to call one of her fights before she uh, made it to the UFC, and I was actually really impressed with her striking because she's a bit unorthodox. She's a bit loopy. Um, you know, inside the clinch, she can be somewhat careless with her you know feet positioning but it's because she can do that because if you take her down you're just going into her world now i don't really suggest that she try to stand on the outside like you know we were talking about with someone like marina rodriguez it could be you know a, a bad situation uh, for mackenzie dern but dern is a lot more powerful than people think 
And if she does hurt Marina Rodriguez, look for that to be a way that she might get Rodriguez to the floor and then try to submit her as well. Because she's a dual threat. She's not going to go out there and put on a Muay Thai clinic, is Mackenzie Dern. But if she tags you and it hurts you, it's another way to get you to the floor and ultimately submit you. So that's a possibility as well. Absolutely. And you're right. She does. She has knocked girls down and, and, and put them right in her ball game. I mean, if this woman touches the mat, you're in a world of trouble. There is no doubting that. She will find a way in her submission. Her, you know, she was talking in her presser this week about my, I have to just make sure, you know, I don't really train my grappling anymore. I've, I've done it my whole life, but I do need to make sure my timing's on point, you know, timing on my positions and things. And that shows you how talented she really is in grappling. You, when you think about grappling, you're thinking, oh man, I got to really practice how to, how to defend this submission or how to, how to move into this transition. She's past that. She's like, I got to make sure my timing on my submission, my timing on my transition to these positions is on point. And that goes to show just how advanced and talented she really is in grappling. I mean, and she will sew you up. She'll put you in all these crazy positions. It doesn't matter where. She grabs a hold of your leg. She was one of the first in history, in women's history, to, to get a submission via, um, I think it was leg lock. Uh, I think it was an ankle lock. She's hit, she's hit knee bars. I mean, she comes for arm bars. She's, uh, she's rear naked choking. She's so talented on the ground. One mistake and you get to the mat, she's not giving it back to you. Marina, though, is, and, and that is a big problem. And, and Marina has been taken down in her fights. She has been taken down. She does show some holes in her takedown defense. But if she tags you, she can knock you out. And I believe that, and I've seen it, we watched her evolution in her game where she's getting more confident in takedown defense and getting more confident in her ability to strike you, at, even though she has to worry about you taking her down. Well, that is your main event coming up this Saturday night, live inside the Apex. The number four ranked strawweight Mackenzie Dern takes on the number six ranked Marina Rodriguez. Do not miss it. Let's take a look at some of the action that took place uh, over the weekend live on UFC Fight Pass before uh, we get out of here. By the way, I'm TJ DeSantis. That's Pearl Gonzalez. It's extra rounds uh, here on UFC Fight Pass. Let's take a look at uh, Combat Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, took center stage on... Uh, well, I, I kind of got confused because on Saturday we had Medusa, which was female-only jiu-jitsu, which also was an Eddie Bravo uh, production. But we also saw Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds uh, on, on Sunday. I'm so used to Saturday night being uh, the fight night, but uh, it was both Saturday and Sunday. And uh, phenomenal action down there in Cancun. We saw some TKOs, two TKOs to be uh, exact, almost three. Uh, and, and, you know, when you look at Combat Jiu-Jitsu, Pearl, this was what Eddie Bravo wanted it to be. It, it's still very much a, a grappling contest, but it is something that keeps your Jiu-Jitsu honest. He says it was an information-gathering tool to really figure out what is, you know, you know practical Jiu-Jitsu and, and not practical Jiu-Jitsu. Um, your thoughts on Combat Jiu-Jitsu a little bit, because I saw some of the comments on Saturday and people just don't seem to understand it. They, they like not everyone, but some people are saying like, why don't you just do MMA? Well, because it's not about MMA. It's still about grappling. Oh my goodness. I love combat jujitsu. I've competed in this several times. What? And I mean, like it's a genius, the sport really, because it is, it's almost like a, if MMA and jujitsu had a baby, it would create combat jujitsu. And what makes it unique and different is it's open palm striking. I can't, I can't punch you. Right. So, so 
So the ability to not make a fist and hit you, you have to slap. There's diff I mean, there's an art to that in itself, right? Is, is these open palm strikes, but it does it. What it allows for is, is it allows for a grappler, maybe a predominant wrestler or a really good grappler that is, that comes from an MMA background. It allows for them to come in here and really even out their skills to a, uh, just a regular or, or not regular, but like a full-time jiu-jitsu player, right? And with that, positioning is so important in, in combat jiu-jitsu, right? And, and it, not that it's not important in regular jiu-jitsu, but if, I, if I'm in your guard, I can hit you and I can strike. And we just saw a, TK, a TKO happen because of that. When you're in jiu-jitsu, if you're in someone's guard, you've got to defend because you've got these, you know, you've got your your you've got all these submission attempts happening. So it allows for positioning to be a very big key player in, in, um, in jujitsu. And what it also does is it doesn't allow for the jujitsu players to just come in and have you at will. Like you have to be very mindful of strikes coming. You, you, it shuts down a full complete jujitsu game. You have to be mindful of these strikes. Do I open my guard? Do I let it go? And, and it is. It's just a different art. I, I, I love combat jiu-jitsu. I think that it is amazing. I think it's, again, MMA, jiu-jitsu, happy yeah. baby. No, 100%. So uh, go ahead and watch it. It is now available, Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds and Middleweights, uh, right now on UFC Fight Pass. Also on Sunday night at Combat Jiu-Jitsu, Eddie Bravo made a huge announcement, and it's for all you guys that just like jiu-jitsu and don't want to see palm strikes. It's back. The tournament that started it all, Eddie Bravo, Brings back EBI, the Eddie Bravo Invitational. I'm I'm over the moon with it because more uh, elite level grappling uh, being shown on on UFC Fight Pass. Everybody wins. Your thoughts, Pearl, on the return of EBI? I love it. You know, I think that there is a there's some time there that jujitsu just has been growing and evolving faster than it ever has, and it was it's gaining popularity. There's money that's now being put into grappling, so it gives these these grappling and jujitsu athletes an opportunity to really go after this and, 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 and chase their passion. Um, and then, you know, and then COVID hit and we didn't see much grappling. And, and I feel like that, that kind of slowed down some of the grappling. So to hear that EBI is on his way back, like that just goes to show that now the grappling is back and here we go. And it, it helps to raise the, the level of grappling and the, the evolve, evolvement. Evolution. <laughs> Evolvement. Uh, I mean, uh, evolvement is the easier trademark word. I mean, it's your word. It's just not in the dictionary. You know what I mean? Okay. So, it's all right. Okay. Evolvement. The no, evolvement. no. Evolution. The, the evolution. evolution. Yes. Of uh, the evolution of jujitsu here. So I'm super excited. I'm so pumped for this. Jujitsu is such a big piece to MMA. It's such a big piece to to mix martial arts and um, you know, you don't always get to see it on display. It is slower. It is a chess match. And, and you know, the EBAs are so exciting. So this is going to be amazing to have it back. I'm not going to lie. The only reason I know the word evolution is because that was my first ever podcast. It was called MMA evolution, but it could have uh, been the MMA evolvement. You know, why it not? could have been like, why isn't this in the dictionary? I don't know. Uh, maybe that's, that's what I do is I add evolvement. Maybe you can dictionary. be, maybe you can be a soccer player and appeal Webster. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, it's nice catching up with you. Uh, I've missed you. It's been a long week. And, and you're you're relocating again. Uh, that's not why we're off this Saturday night. No post-fight show for us in extra rounds. But back in New York, huh? 
going back to New York. I'm here. I'm, I'm uh, making a pit stop in Chicago and visiting the family and, and getting some of my Chi-Town love in. But yeah, no, back to New York, back to camp, back to work. Um, time to go. Time to fight. Well, there you go. Just don't uh, hit me or ask me to be your sparring partner <laughs> when I see you uh, anytime soon. Okay. Well, I think you should keep the beard. It it's great. not again it's not it's not real it's just laziness like i need to shave okay, well, you just, know just lazy well just when you do shave just leave the front part it looks great i mean you know i could uh i could do the whole no shave november thing but i should probably there you go. i should probably stop shaving in october because people will realize how bad <laughs> of a no shave november uh grower oh. i am because it's not good not good at all i think i should do no shave november too <laughs> okay I'm not. I'm not. But Whatever you want, Pearl. Okay. Thumbs up. Thumbs up, Pearl. You're the boss, Pearl. I won't do that, but it sounds like a good time. Right. On that note, we got to go. Okay. Good night, everyone. Bye, TJ. She's Pearl Gonzalez. You can uh, always follow her on Instagram and Twitter and all that fun business at Pearl Gonzalez. I'm uh, at TJ DeSantis. I'm not as fun of a follow, but, uh, you know, check me out. Uh, we are not done yet, though on the program. A couple of interviews for you uh, to keep your eye on. Uh, Michael Carter Williams, going to talk to him about uh, his love for the UFC. He is a uh, player for the Orlando Magic. The basketball season uh, just getting underway. Um, preseason still, I think, for a couple more weeks. Uh, also, too, on the NBA uh, front, we talk Ben Simmons with Norman Chad. Also talk about Conor McGregor. If you don't remember Norman, he is a uh, commentator for ESPN uh, with the World Series of Poker. Also a poker player himself going to talk to uh, Norman about a variety of topics and uh, to sort of get his thoughts on uh, all things mixed martial arts and some things uh, away from uh, the world uh, of mixed martial arts as well. So stick around. A lot more yet to go. It's extra rounds right here on UFC Fight Pass. We told you off the top it was going to be a great show. Look, we don't lie to you. Look at this. Look. Oh! Big right here. This is going to be Matt has noticed that I am also bald. I, I gotta move my camera because you look like Cyclops when you move back. Dustin, look, he's he's matured into a great fighter. The biggest bank heist in the history of the world, you're not surprised. He was fearless. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest female fighters. We're back here on Extra Rounds now. Pleased to be joined by Michael Carter Williams. Uh, obviously, we know you from the hardwood uh, playing basketball, but also I hear you're a pretty uh, big mixed martial arts fan, and uh, uh, you, you go back to uh, watching the UFC for a pretty long time. Yeah, you know I've been watching I've been watching all the events for a real long time now, probably ten plus years now. Um, yeah, I don't miss an event. I'm a big MMA guy. I'm a big you know I, I just love you know the art and. Um, yeah, no, I can't. You know, I, I watch every single weekend. I don't miss a Saturday. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely a uh, definitely a hobby of mine. Tell me a little bit about how you watch fights, though, because obviously the NBA season, it, it's long. You know, you, you're on the road a lot. Um, do, you, do you watch, you know, with with teammates, with coaches, with with, I mean, just friends or, or how are you watching this when uh, you're, you're maybe away from home? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I always got the fight pass. You know, I'm always on the, you know, got the laptop or computer with me and even sometimes on the phone and on the bus on the road and stuff. So I'm always, uh, I hate our Saturday night games. I'm like, oh man, I'm, you know, but I always, you know what I do? I just, you know, I pause it and then I, you know, rewatch it. And, uh, you know, so I, I mean, I talk with friends about it. Um, we talk all the time about watching the fights, my family, my stepfather, my brother. And um, it's crazy as the year goes on, more and more of my teammates, they start getting into the, the fights and then, you know, they'll hit me with, oh, you watching the fight tonight? I'm like, come on, man. I, I was the one who put you on the UFC in them right. days. Um, but yeah, no, it's been good. You mentioned watching with family. You know, it's funny for me when I watch by myself, I'm kind of like a a quiet, you know, fight fan. I don't really talk a lot. But when there's other people in the room, man, I'm, I'm throwing out obscenities. I'm saying all sorts of stuff. It's like one of those oh, energies yeah. that, you know, the more the merrier, really, when you watch fights. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, I love watching fights with I love watching fights with people who actually, you know, watch a sport and appreciate the sport. You know, I think it's fun then. Um, you know, you're just your reactions with people are always going to be a little bit extra because, you you know, you're not by yourself, whatever. But, yeah, you know, watching it with my stepfather, my brother, um, you know, that's my, you know, my favorite thing to do because we just enjoy it so much. And we got, you know, we got our all our own opinions about each fighter and, you know, we go back and forth sometimes. So it's all good fun. Do you, uh, you, you take any money off your uh, stepfather or your brother? You know, you make a little side bets uh, on fight night? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, we we make some. I mean, we don't usually do money bets, but we definitely, you know, do push ups. So you know, whatever. Right. Uh, so we definitely, yeah, we definitely uh, have some bets. Who's your go to? Like, if there was one mixed martial artist that you could never bet against, like who's going to come through for you and make you look like a genius when they fight? Um, that's a good question, man. Um, I don't, my per my personal go to, um. I don't know, man. I mean, it's hard to go. Obviously, it's hard to go against John Jones. It was hard to go against right. him for a while. You know, he was kind of the ace in the hole. But, you know, maybe Izzy. Okay, uh, yeah. Pretty confident. Even though he lost his last fight, you know, moving up, I, you know, I've been pretty confident in him winning, you know, all his, uh, you know, at his weight class, winning uh, his fights. But I do think, I do think uh, Robert Whitaker is going to give him a tough fight this come, this come around. Yeah, no, I cannot wait for that matchup. And, and you know, yeah. Whitaker and Izzy, like, I feel like this is just the second chapter of potentially a trilogy or, you know, maybe they even fight four times before their careers are done because they're yeah. that damn good, honestly. Right, yeah. I think they're, you know, a little bit above everybody else in that division. Um, you know, I mean, got some good talent, but I think those two guys are just, they're so good, man. They're so technical and, you know, yeah, it's 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 gonna be if Izzy beats him like he did last time, I'll be really really shocked. But like, I don't put anything past him. Yeah, you know, it's really hard too for athletes to win uh, the rematch the second go around. You know, we saw it just this last week with Nick Diaz returning. Granted, that's a little bit different with seventeen years, you know, later. But uh, you know, it, it's it, I, I generally feel like when we have a, a good, highly anticipated rematch, you can almost like pencil in the rubber match because it, it feels like it's always the makings uh, of a trilogy. Were you watching UFC two sixty six last Saturday? Yes, I was. I was. It was a great event. Great event, unreal event. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. You know, all the, those some crazy fights. Obviously, the Volkanovski and um, the Ortega fight was, you know, was was unreal. Um, that um, Morales fight was unreal. Yeah, come back. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a great event. Great I love event. it. I mean, you're calling out the uh, Marab Dwalashvili and, and Marlon Marais. Like that, that's a prelim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not just showing yeah, up for no, the no. pay per views. You, you're in uh, no, in front I mean, of the television that's, early. That's, 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 we, we got blessed. There. That shouldn't have been. That should, that should yeah, be no. 
it was that stacked of a card for yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, that was one thing I was noticing. Um, you know, they have this little like pre uh, notes that they give me, and uh, you know, the handlers asked like what your favorite events were, and, and you were throwing out event names with the numbers like UFC Fight Night twenty six. Like oh, you're yeah, not just yeah, throwing yeah. out like main event names. Like you remember yeah, these yeah. numbered events. Like that's pretty hardcore, Michael. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, like I said, I, I love the sport. You know, I, I always I go back and watch old fights. I I don't know. I just you know, just became my own little kind of obsession. And I, I think it's really cool to follow someone's career. You know, UFC careers aren't, you know, too, too long. So follow somebody's career from the beginning to end. Like, you know, I can I can remember um, watching a um, Moreno fight in the contender series. Yeah. You know, him going, him losing. And I'm like, hey, he's, he's pretty good, man. I, I wonder what's going to happen to him. Then I see him. Somebody, you know, doesn't somebody doesn't make weight or can't make the fight or something. He replaces him in UFC and that's what his career started. Like, you know, I, I think it's cool to see like, you know, especially those guys, right? You, you fight nowadays if you're not in the, you know, UFC, you're not in Bellator, you're in any other league, like you're not making that much money fighting. So, you know, the, the difference of lifestyles that they live from beginning to end is cool to see them, you know, kind of grow up. Yeah, it's kind of all or nothing when you look at the way that they have to approach everything. This isn't a sport that you can sort of take half-ass by any means. Um, yeah. you know, one thing, uh, you know, talking traditional uh, stick and ball sport athletes like yourself, uh, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this because Greg Hardy talked about making the transition from the NFL to mixed martial arts, and he said that one thing that was sort of uh, catching him by surprise was the fact that he wasn't wearing a helmet. Like, he's out there. Everyone can see his face. It's much more uh, sort of, you know, you sort of bear all. You can't kind of, like, hide in the octagon the way you could oh, say right. yeah, yeah. on the field but you know when i think about nba players like you you guys have to be some of the most visible athletes out there because i mean you're not wearing much as far there's no protective equipment essentially unless you choose to wear something do, do you feel like uh, nba players and mixed martial artists have that sort of in common where i mean if, if you you got to hide your emotions to a certain extent because you you can't you know let your opponents know you know how you're feeling necessarily on the court yeah no absolutely i mean they they definitely uh cameras are, are in their faces a lot just like ours um you know they got to be prepared in real time all the time just like us i mean obviously it's a totally different sport and you know they're able to get away with a little bit more just because of you know who they are and it's as expected of them but um yeah you know it, it's it's definitely hard you definitely have to you know put on a put on a poker face for a lot of things and um yeah, I would say that's a, definitely a similarity between, you know, the fighters and the hoopers, the cameras in your face a lot. And you really got to stay focused on what you're trying to do. You know, you can, you know, cameras in your face, you can see frustration. You know, you can't, you know, show frustration in either sport more MMA than, than anything. But, um, yeah, you did definitely a similarity there. How about posturing out there on the court? Because, you know, th there's a lot of talking. There's some jaw jacking back and forth. Do, have you ever called on, like, uh, any inspiration from an MMA fighter when it comes to, like, posturing or, or trying to take on, uh, you know, maybe some uh, uh, tips uh, as far as, like, a persona to, to have on the court? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I love, man, I love the trash talk from, from I love, you know, from the Diaz brothers to, to Connor to, you know, to Shell Sone and anybody, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm, probably the guy that talks most trash on my team. So, you know, I, I, you know, I love those guys going in. It just makes sport sport. You know what I mean? Right. Like people talk about, you know, it's, you got to be classy and this and that. And of course there's always a time and place for that, but you know, what makes sports is the, the jabbering back and forth. You know, at the end of the day, you guys can both respect each other for what you do, but you know I mean? That's how you get the, that's how you get the best out of people. That's how you get the best out of yourself. You know, you want to win so bad and you know, you're talking, you're doing, you know what I mean? Talking in real time and, 
you know, it's just it's just what makes sports fun. Yeah, no, 100%. The competitive uh, juice is flowing out there, whether it's in the fight or on the court. Uh, sure. Definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's what draws you in and, and makes you a, a sports fan. And obviously, you're a pretty big fan uh, of the UFC. Last question here uh, as we uh, get you on your way. You know, it, it's been a crazy world with COVID. Uh, the UFC, you know, is still doing shows inside the Apex in Vegas where very limited fans. Um, what was it like, you know, for you, the, the way that limited fans and, and, you know, at times no fans, played an impact on the NBA games. Do, do, you, do you feel like the energy of, of a full arena changes the way the game sort of unfolds on the court? Yeah, it definitely, definitely does. Um, I didn't notice it. I didn't think I was going to you know, notice much of a difference. Um, in high school, I played in a, in a small high school. We didn't have many fans. But, you know, after going to Syracuse, we're, you know, in the Dome and playing in the NBA, you know, eight, nine years, um, you know, I, when when we didn't play in front of fans, it was weird. It was different. It almost like felt like a, you know, a pickup game. And and then like you know, as the pickup game keeps going, it gets a little bit more competitive. And obviously, you want to win. But you know, with fans, um, there's just nothing like it. And I'm sure the fighters can attest to that as well. I'm sure it kind of felt like they were sparring out there a little bit with somebody. Right. And then you know, once the fight got heated up, it got going. But um, yeah, the fans just bring you know, they just make so much of the energy. They're such a big part of the game. And um, they uh, they were definitely missed, you know, when we were playing. So I can't wait for the fans to get, you know, be, be playing in front of the fans. 100%. Well, we can't wait to get you back out to UFC relatively soon. Oh, Hopefully man. you can join uh, join us uh, maybe on site and break down some fights. We'll uh, we'll employ you here for a night on extra rounds if you're down. <laughs> please, I'm, I'm ready. I've been ready. I've been preparing. So please do. Awesome, Michael. Appreciate the time, sir. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. One of my favorite people in the business of commentating and just being a guy is Norman Chad. He's back on the show. It's extra rounds here in UFC Fight Pass. Norman, how are you, sir? I've seen better and I've seen worse. I mean, that's that's the truth every day when you've been around the block a few times, I think, right? I've only been around the block like one and a half times. I pretty much just stay in the den. You know, actually, I was thinking about you. Speaking of going around the block, I just flew back uh, from Cancun on Monday, and it was the worst travel experience of my life because there was an electrical storm in Los Angeles, which never really happens, and we circled the airport forever, landed in Ontario to get back in the air to circle the airport again. But I uh, I landed, and my baggage uh, went uh, went to the other like baggage claim on the other side of the thing. I got on a shuttle. I forgot my bags. I had to turn back around. I tried to walk the horseshoe, okay? And I'm thinking, Norman Chad does it. I can do it. No, Norman. That was not a pleasant pleasant experience. I have, I still can't get over the fact that you've ever done this on purpose. Okay. You can't walk the whole horseshoe at LAX airport. You you have to come in at the end of the horseshoe. Right. Not the middle, like where American Airlines is. You got to come in where United or where Southwest is. Yeah. And head on out to, to reality. If you're trying to walk the horseshoe... Besides the fact it's long, it's convoluted, it's complex. It's also probably dangerous. There's not a lot of walkways in between. There's so, construction now too, everywhere. It's all under construction. Everywhere. So I, I think your your public your public schooling lets you down that you were trying to do anything in that horseshoe. Yeah, I basically tried to walk from terminal five back to two, and it just yeah no. So uh, you're much more uh, intelligent and uh, you know uh, durable than I am, Norman. I've proven the point, and uh, I didn't have to deal with any male pattern baldness over the years, and I really held Dang. up pretty well as compared to you, I think. That's true. That's true. I mean, I, you got any secrets you can help me out with? No, even though my, my mother asked me about five or ten years ago, she asked me if I started taking Rogaine because she said my uh, hair was getting thicker. 
and I don't think it was, and I wasn't taking Rogaine. It turns out one of the prescriptions I have for something else, like for Nasteride or something for something internally, right. also does some type of hair growing thing. So she, I don't think, I thought she was out of her mind, but maybe she wasn't out of her mind. So just, you want to have some type of IBS or gastro test, gastrointestinal problems, and then you'll grow more hair. I'm crossing my fingers. Let's go IBS. Let's go. Um, let's talk about some things. Uh, I think Urban Meyer, as of late, would probably change his you know, situation for uh, a bout of IBS, or maybe he's developing IBS at this point. I always like talking mainstream sports stories with, with gentlemen like yourself. What are your thoughts on this Urban Meyer debacle? A debacle is a good word. And it really, it's a debacle from all standpoints. I'm not an Urban Meyer fan mm. uh, for a million reasons. Uh, he should never have been a college coach, TJ, for, for, for instance. Uh, just as far as the student athlete, uh, and as far as the institution of higher learning, Urban has nothing to do with that. You know, I, I, the closest he should come to a college campus is refilling the vending machines at a junior college campus. Right. But the whole thing, and he was in the wrong, you know, not that we should sit here and judge. We all have a lot of stuff in our Sure. Class. I'll show some. You know, I, I, it just went overboard when I, I was looking at a Florida Times Union headline from right afterwards. And the headline, where did I go? The headline said, new video appears to show Jaguars coach Urban Meyer touch a woman's backside at Ohio Bar. Yeah. Right now, I'm thinking back a couple of generations when there was like Zabruder film on the JFK assassination. It was new video trying to show a potential assassin on a grassy knoll. Yeah. And now the new video showing a football coach putting his finger, I guess, on the left side of the buttocks of some woman. I, I don't know if we're going in the right direction. Right. Uh, this is just, just I just don't get it here. And the, the fact of the matter is, on the other hand, if you're Urban Meyer, no matter when it was, and this was after a game he lost, you know, it, it, you're in a bar, obviously drinking with a drink in your hand and your other hand touching or a woman's backside or at some point a woman's ass getting close to your lap. That's just not, you know, from a family standpoint, right. From a team standpoint, that's not a good look. So is he bold, brazen, or just dumb here, Norman? Because I just don't understand. Like, we live in a world where everyone has a camera, you know, a 4K camera at that in their pocket at any time, it seems. Like, what, what do you think this was a case of? This is, I wouldn't overanalyze it, TJ. I would say guys are going to be guys and men are pigs. So he's, he's, he's just being dumb. I mean, he can't go out in a public venue anywhere right. and not have somebody, you know, with a phone pointing towards him and, and taping something. So he was, you know, he might have been drinking and then he's in a bar and he's just having a good time. And it's, it's, it's just, it's just not a good idea. And the fact of the matter is if he were, again, this goes to back to where the, the culture's all kind of screwed up. If the Jaguars were 4-0 instead of 0-4, yeah. all the Jacksonville fans were, that's our boy. That's right. our boy. I can guarantee you, TJ, if he was 4-0 at Ohio State at Florida, it doesn't, he could do anything. You know, he, yeah. could, kidnap, he could kidnap the Lindbergh baby uh, if there were still a Lindbergh baby, he can do whatever he wants and they don't care. So the culture says, if you win, you can get away with anything. If you lose, we're going to nitpick you to death. And uh, this, again, this was just stupid on his part. He skipped the team flight, uh, supposedly to, to visit his grandchildren in Ohio. And he ends up like being a sugar daddy to other people's grandchildren in Ohio. So he just wasn't thinking. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely think that. I'm I'm curious though if he ends the season in Jacksonville. There's a lot of rumors about maybe he'll be doing the 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 walk in the horseshoe at LAX and coming to the University of Southern California. I I don't know what to think. What do you think the future is? Yeah, I, I believe he's already head coach at the University of Southern California. Uh, I've seen him around town a lot, and uh, it's hard to you know it's hard to coach the Jaguars from Los Angeles, but that's what I think he's doing right now. He's uh, probably setting up to get fired by week six or week ten. 
and then uh, USC will hire him uh, about two months later. Well, there you go. We'll see if uh, that comes true. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a, a guy who I don't know if is necessarily embarrassing himself all the time. Um, I, I think he's marketing himself to a certain extent, uh, but it, it definitely has been uh, eh, maybe maybe less than stellar results uh, as of late. But Conor McGregor, uh, one of the biggest stars in mixed martial arts, uh, it sounds like he might come back before the end of the year, which is just mind-blowing uh, when, when you think about uh, what happened in the fight with Dustin Poirier. The Machine Gun Kelly thing is, is weird. What are your thoughts on, on, on Conor? Another guy who isn't necessarily wired correctly to be in, in the public space a lot of the time, outside of being obviously a, a very good fighter for a long time, who attracts a lot of eyes. And you know he's getting picked on by a lot of people now, TJ. Jake yeah. Paul shots at him. Uh, Michael Bispig was taking shots at him. And the reason they are because he's Conor McGregor. The reason we're talking about him is he's Conor McGregor. Right. You know, the, the, the fact of the matter remains, he's, you know, he's, he's, in the, he's the top five uh, all-time sales for pay-per-view in the UFC are all his fights. Yeah. Connor, Connor with a broken leg could fight a, a could fight a Mike Pence bubble doll, <laughs> doll and get a million pay-per-view views. So it's true. Tracks attention. Uh, right now, the, the fact that he might come back from this broken leg before the end of the year, I, I would have to doubt it. Uh, you know, again, I'm not an athlete. I had a broken leg three or four years ago and I had trouble, you know, making a cup of coffee. Now I know he's an athlete. So I, I suspect he just likes to stay in the news. That's part of when he's at was at the the music awards, the video with the thing with Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, he just likes to be out there. And again, he doesn't have the I don't think he has the best uh, judgment when he's out there. Yeah, uh, but we all like to watch him and we all like to talk about him. You know, when I think about Connor, I think about uh, actually a guy that you're pretty familiar with and, and Phil Hellmuth, because I think their demeanors at times are the same. They like to be the heel. They like to almost play up this character. And even when it goes sideways a little bit, they still like double down. You get what I'm saying? Without question. And it actually, it's, it's pretty smart. If they realize, again, they realize the business they're in and the marketing they can do by doubling down on being the black hat. And right. they like that. They like they like to come into the ring as the black hat. So I think Connor does that all the time. He doesn't back off. Phil Helmuth in the poker world does not back off. And it 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 definitely translates into bigger popularity and uh, more people with eyeballs on him. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see. I, I don't think Connor will fight again. I think he might train before the end of the year, and maybe that's where the rumors of him coming back before the end of the year really are with, with training rather than fighting. But you know, it's it's weird though. We're we're again talking about Connor McGregor when it was Dustin Poirier that won the fight. You know, he's the guy that walked away from the UFC in July. You know, owning that trilogy, he's the number one contender at, at lightweight. I, I feel bad, Norman, that we're not singing the praises of Dustin Poirier more than we are bemoaning or at least you know gossiping about Connor. It's, but it's the same thing, TJ. I, my friends who don't follow UFC, they can name one UFC fighter. Yeah. And the bottom line on him, and I don't like him much, you know, the bottom line is one, you know, you don't bring him home to your mother to meet. Two, you don't bring him home to your father to meet. Uh, three, if he actually ever, if Connor actually ever shops in a grocery store, I guarantee he cuts the line. But number four, and most importantly, you're willing to pay up to a hundred bucks to watch him in the Onagon. Yeah. Um, no, 100%. I, I definitely feel that. Do, do you feel like Dustin did gain some fans, though? Like, Because I feel like he's still in that same position. Yes, he's the number one lightweight. He beat Conor McGregor, but I don't feel that shine really rubbed off of Conor at all on, on to Dustin. Uh, I agree with you. And he, he, beat him, he, he beat him twice this calendar year. And yeah. He, you know, like a, re a reduced sports calendar year last year. And this year it was a big deal that he beat him twice. And the broken leg the second time. And yet if you, I ask people who broke Conor McGregor's leg, 
they'll say, uh, I don't know, either whoever was fighting against them in the octagon or somebody in a bar. Right. They don't yeah. know Justin's name, which is, a sh you know, and he's, he's going to be fighting again, which I wouldn't do if I were him. He's going to be fighting again in another, what, a couple of two months. months yeah yeah and it's the, i mean really it's the biggest fight uh, of all the fights he had this year probably won't make him the most money and probably won't you know make the most impact but it is for the ufc lightweight championship you you sound like you're cautioning him against taking that opportunity before the year's over yeah i would wait a little longer i, I do think these guys are a little too active i mean it's been a great year for dustin you know you, you beat conor mcgregor twice in six months right you know, that's like taking the, the, the Pope's parking space on Easter and Christmas. At <laughs> I mean, you don't get any better than that. So yeah. now going for the lightweight title at, at UFC 269, uh, I take the rest of the year off because I think that December is generally a tough month. Uh, two of my two of my ex-wives uh, left me in December. Uh, I'm even playing it safe this year. I'm not even going to see my current wife during the month of December. So that can't happen. Just bad things happen around the, the holidays, CJ. So sure. if I were him, I would have pushed this back a couple of couple of months. There you go. I mean, playing it safe. We know Ben Simmons would definitely sit out the rest of the year if given the opportunity. Well, as long as he's still in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, you know, Ben Simmons, this is another guy. I understand it's difficult to be young and to be pampered your entire adolescence and young adult life and to have millions and millions in front of you. You, you don't think clearly. You know, at this point, I just say the you know, bottom line is Ben Simmons you are a bum. And I'll tell you why you're a bum, Ben. You know, you, 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 do you like your lifestyle, Ben? Yeah, you do. Because you, you, you got the, the fancy cars and you got beautiful women by your side at all the time. And you have Chilean sea bass for dinner every night. Well, you know, how did you get that lifestyle? Because somebody pays you $33 million a year to play basketball. So what happens if you don't show up to play basketball? What if you don't, happen, if you don't show up for work? I don't think anything good can happen out of that. So, well, I'm always sympathetic to anybody who's trying to uh, – move their career in the right direction, no matter what the profession is. You have all the options on the table for you. The way he has handled this is just stupid. He's under contract. Yeah. He signed the contract voluntarily. Okay. Nothing. They've done nothing wrong in within the contract. He has two or three more years of the contract. If you're unhappy, uh, you're paid to work. Right. So TJ, if I were the owner of, uh, of the 76ers, it's hard to do. I might call his bluff. I'd say, you don't want to work. Stay at home. We don't pay you. Right. You don't pay you. And then you sit out the year and maybe someone else will pay you next year. I just think he's been a bum. Man, harsh words from Norman Taylor. I do know that if the everyday person acted like Ben Simmons, uh, the economy would crash every Monday because no one would go to work on Monday. They just don't want to. By the way, you just reminded me, I'm, I'm, I'm proposing a, a new calendar, TJ, speaking. You know, no okay. Monday. I want to go to the eight-day week and the 32-day month. All and right. The week uh, would be Five days of work and then a three-day weekend every every and you add another day. So you'd have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, B's day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you have a five-day work week because people sometimes like that three-day weekend. A yeah. lot of people four, ten hour days. So now you get the five-day work week, you get the three-day weekend. Right. The 32-day month is great because we, do you ever know any given month how many days are in a month? Like I get confused with March and May. This makes every every month 28 days. Yeah. You always know that the 13th is going to be a Tuesday or whatever. It right. never changes. You never think about it. This is this is incredible. So you have 11 months, 32 days a year. That's 320, 352 days. You have an extra left 13 days between December and January. You create some type of 13-day mushka. Uh, Kabula. Right. So end of year, beginning of year, re-celebration of life. I want to go to the 32-day month and the eight-day week. 
I like it. I just, I'm afraid that in Chicago, it might be snowing in June or something like that. It will get off the, the access or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's a reasonable point. I'm, I'm not a scientist, a meteorologist. Right. I don't think it changes the access that much. We're still going to have 11 months. Right. We're have, you know, 32 days a month. It's, it's still pretty much as you know it. The, the key is having bees day between Thursday and Friday. Yeah. A 13-day thing at the end of the year that fills out those final, uh, to get up to 365. Right, and I'm guessing that you just eliminate the month of December because it's treated you so poorly in the past. I would just, you know, most people want to get rid of February, but December is definitely my choice. There you go. I, I can co-sign with that. Um, you know, we're cutting months, but Patty Pimblett, he's cutting pounds. He's the newest sensation in the UFC. Uh, have you had a chance to check out this uh, this kid from England? You know, I had not even heard of uh, Patty Pimblett three months ago or whatever. Or right. Whatever. Because I, I don't follow the other mixed media, uh, mixed martial arts that much. And then when he just came onto the scene, you know, it's just she just, just popped off the page. Yeah. Uh, and I, he, you know, he, he obviously has he, he he walks with some swagger. He talks with some swagger. He eats with some swagger. So Definitely. he's like a breath of fresh air until he's not. But right now he's a right. breath of fresh air for me uh, on the UFC scene. Yeah, the, the stock is high, as is his walk-around weight. He's walking around close to 200 pounds, fighting at 155 pounds. I've always said that being a fat kid, Norman, is a mindset. You, you might not necessarily be fat in the moment, but if you have that fat kid mindset, you're a fat kid. Patty Pimblett sounds like he's kind of the, the fat kid mindset because, man, th this kid, like you said, likes to eat with some swagger. And he embraces it. And, and actually, he calls himself, I got a kick out because he calls himself the new cash cow. Yeah, and he definitely has the car, the cow part right. Uh, you know, <laughs> if, if, if Patty's on a diet, TJ, you know, his cheat day is eating a cow. The guy just, uh, you know, he, he was 195 when he started training for his first UFC fight. Yeah, 155 in 10 weeks. He's now back on his way to 195. Yeah, I don't think training wise, again, I'm not an expert, but that's not a good idea to bounce that way if you're a fighter. You know. No. Uh, if you're a painter, if, if, if you're Rembrandt or Michelangelo or Van Gogh, you know, you can balloon and go back and forth between weights and it won't affect your, your painting stroke. Uh, Elon Musk is going to make good Teslas at 180 pounds or 480 pounds. But as a rule, as a rule, UFC fighters and adult film stars should not gain 40 <laughs> pounds between gigs. Right. I, I feel that. Also, too, I mean, it's going to work in your early 20s, not so much in your late 20s or early 30s. No, without question. He's what what is he? Is he twenty-five or twenty-six years old right now? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a young kid. Long but I, way to go. I get such a kick out of him. He was talking about what is he like to eat. He loves desserts and he's talking about, you know, brownies and, and bubble waffles and ice cream. But then then he said, What's what you know, but but for regular meals I'll eat, you know, he said chicken and Chinese and, and Italian and, and steak right. and burgers. He he pretty much was ordering the, the right side of the entire Applebee's menu. And then he's good because he says he'll do up to eight thousand calories a day. I don't know how you can even do that. That like that's a chore. I like, I like to eat, Norman, but that's a chore. Uh, it is a chore. I'd like to see him I, just in a real-world setting against Joey Chestnut just eating stuff. And I'm going with Patty. You know, Joey just trains for one thing, to, to put those Nathan's hot dogs down his mouth in 10 minutes' time once a year. Man, that's uh, that's un-American of you to not back an American hero and icon like Joey Chestnut. <laughs> okay. You just said, I'm going to ignore that you said hero and <laughs> icon. And, yes, I will go with Patty. Who's, you know, he's taking a lot of he's taking a lot of grief from everybody else, also in a different way than Conor McGregor. But he's standing tall. I, I wish him luck in his next fight, and I just hope he remains the breath of fresh air he's been. 
No, 100%. Uh, stock is high, definitely uh, moving forward with him. We'll see if he can maintain uh, that status. On the way out here, Norman, uh, you know, we're still living in this pandemic. Uh, I heard you playing poker as of late. What uh, What's the Greenfelt battlefield looking like uh, during COVID? Uh, the Greenbelt Battlefield, and I'm in Las Vegas for most of this month, and that's much for the World Series of Poker. The Greenbelt, uh, the Greenfelt Battlefield, uh, is actually looking a little like uh, Saving Private Ryan uh, on D-Day. Uh, it's 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 probably the one of the top ten super spreader events, uh, COVID-wise, I can think of. If it were up to me, I probably would not be back in a poker room right now. Uh, poker, and I love poker. It's one of my favorite pursuits. But a poker room is a very large group of generally unkempt guys uh, sitting elbow to elbow at a table, nine or ten at a table. And uh, you're touching the same chips. You're touching the same cards. Several right. of us haven't showered for several days <laughs> in the poker zone. So I don't know if the poker environment is the smartest environment uh, during – You know, I would, I would rather be safe than sorry. And as much as the, obviously money drives the engine here, uh, I, I might have been – happier if we again delay to see what, what we're dealing with here with the, the latest strain and this and that. It's it's tough out there. I just don't think poker is the first place I would have gone to uh, when, when the doors opened up again. Yeah, no, I uh, I definitely feel that. And I think uh, also too, just, you know, wearing the mask, like if you can't see your opponent's face, I don't even know what the point of being, you know, at the table with them is at the end of the day. Actually, you bring it up, you know, they, they, some tournaments have come up with a new rule that you, before COVID, that you could not cover your face up. So you, you had to, you had to be able to see the other person. So now with the mask and uh, at, at the World Series of Poker, you're not required to wear a mask at the table. But certainly wow. some people will take advantage of that just from a, a competition standpoint because they don't want people to see their face. So that's the other reason, you know, there's just, there's different extremes on why we should have it or then everyone there's gotta be vaxxed by the way. So mm. the non-vaxxed people didn't come because they were upset about that. And now some of the vaxxed people are upset because the Rio uh, hotels dealers and staff do not have to show proof of vaccination. So there's a lot of scuttlebutt going on. People are happy, though, to be back and playing poker, but I, I think uh, we might be a little premature. Just like I think we were a little premature, I, I, my other thing I love to do is bowl. Bowling is my other favorite pursuit, and that's a bowling center is one of the last places I would have opened. And uh, we're not all close to each other necessarily, but my recollection of bowling from a couple of years ago is you, everybody has puts three fingers into the same bowling ball hole. So, you know, a lot of fingers are going into that hole. And, yeah. and, and then the, the, the bowling shoes, uh, I oh. guess I afforded my own, even though I've now spent like $5,000 in rental shoes over the year. But yeah. I'm wearing a pair of shoes that somebody else just wore for two hours and somebody else wore before that for two hours that somebody else wore before that two hours. I probably prefer to be barefoot in the bowling alley than uh, deal with rental shoes and a bowling ball. Yeah, I went bowling not too long ago, and first I thought I was going to die because I wore a mask the entire time because it was mandated in L.A. County to wear a mask, and I didn't realize how much I huff and puff when I bowl. But second, if anybody puts their finger in my bowling ball, we're going to have a mixed martial arts fight right then and there because that's my ball, not yours. Well, Keep your fingers out of it. That would go viral. I'd like to see that, TJ. If you have a, an argument over the finger in the bowling ball at an alley post-COVID, uh, I'd love to see that. I bet you a lot of people would like to see that. I, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, there are a lot of people that want to see me get my ass kicked, Norman. So they, they definitely tune in because that ultimately w would be what would happen in the end for sure. Anyway, the bottom line is we probably should be just be playing. And I, I used to love Scrabble. I don't play Scrabble anymore. But in these times, online Scrabble is probably the safest thing. Oh, I'll get in a fight over Scrabble too. You like add a V to the end of two vowels and it makes four words and it's a triple word score. And somehow just one tile placement ends up with 200 extra points. 
I, no. I and plus the, the travel savants do words that are like a two letter, three letter word I've never heard of before. They, you know, they want to challenge you to go to the dictionary for this word that was very popular when Paul Revere was riding across uh, northeastern United States to warn us about something. Yeah, I, I can't play against those guys. I can just play against guys like you. I don't know what that means, but I take offense to it. But also, Norman, I think we should we should compromise here. We should make like a hybrid Scrabble uh, poker game where if I can sell the word being an actual word and use it in a sentence with a straight face, it should count. Oh wow, that's like the, the, the uh, that's like the the ultimate bluffing game. If you can yeah. sell that word that ain't real or is real, right? Use a sentence, it should count. Right, like my whole family would say flustrated. That's another word. Not frustrated, flustrated. Uh, and I say beflummoxed, and people tell me that's not a word. You're either flummoxed or you're a be something, but you're not beflummoxed. I like yeah. flustrated. That's a great yeah. word. That's like beflummoxed to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, am, I am now, that is in my rotation. I only use about 250 words a day. That is in my new rotation of 250 words a day. Well, on that note, I'm going to get you out of here because this is a high note because I don't want to flustrate you. And Wells, you should not flustrate me. I'm so happy not to be flustrated by you. Norman Chad, check out the Gambling Mad Show, which is uh, hosted by him. You can get it where podcasts are available. Norman, always appreciate the time, sir. All right, TJ. Hope to see you soon. There he is, Norman Chad, here on Extra Rounds from UFC Fight Pass. Pretty fun show. I think if that Scrabble game existed where you could just lie and make up words, the champion of the world would be Pearl Gonzalez. Now I hope she's not listening or watching because she might actually try to hurt me after... I made that statement. Uh, Some statements made over uh, in England last weekend. It was uh, another trilogy event from Cage Warriors. Let's take a look at some of the action that went down. Uh, Here we see Dominic Wooding uh, finishing uh, Nathan Fletcher uh, for the vacant Cage Warriors Bantamweight Championship. That one went down on Thursday. Uh, Solid stuff there. Uh, Then it was uh, Oban Elliott knocking out George McManus. That's a wrap. Hammer fist for good measure there for Elliot. Then we saw a, a phenomenal fight. Morgan Sherrier taking on Paul Hughes. This for the interim Cage Warriors featherweight championship of the world. By the way, if you are a fan of Patty Pimblett, and maybe you're like Norman Chad and you didn't know who Patty was, well, watch Cage Warriors, and then you'll never miss out on the next uh, big thing coming out of uh, England and the U.K., so here it is. Paul Hughes and uh, Morgan Sherrier went toe-to-toe all five rounds. And uh, the, the, the winner, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't clear-cut for some. Wasn't for the judges either. Paul Hughes taking home a ma- majority decision uh, to become the new Cage Warriors featherweight champion. Would love to hear your thoughts on how you scored this fight. At TJ DeSantis on Twitter. You can also get at Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, Use the hashtag extra rounds. But as I mentioned, it was Paul Hughes getting his hand raised. Uh, At the end of 25 minutes, a majority decision goes the way of the new Cage Warriors featherweight champion of the world. He is set to take on Jordan Vucenic. I think that's how you say it. Uh, Vucenic is the, uh, I mean, I can't say undisputed champion because Hughes is now the interim champion. That was a headbutt, by the way. Can't do that. Don't need a replay to uh, tell you it was illegal, but uh, they will unify those belts at a later date. 
in time. Uh, speaking of a later date and time, thanks for rounds me back at a later date and time. Uh, not this Saturday night, though, unfortunately. Um, no post-fight show. Pro Gonzalez relocating back to New York. Uh, she's getting back in a training camp. And me, I'm just going to enjoy a Saturday off. I don't remember the last time I stayed home on a Saturday and watched uh, college football. But that's happening this Saturday. And I look forward to it. Again, in the meantime, please reach out on Twitter, uh, Instagram, social media, anywhere. At TJ DeSantis, at Pearl Gonzalez, at UFC Fight Pass. Speaking of which, go over there right now. If you're not a member today, sign up. Uh, $10 a month gets you access to the largest MMA library on the planet. It's one of the biggest fights in the world available for you to view right now uh, over at UFC Fight Pass. Plus live events from promotions like Cage Warriors or Combat Jiu-Jitsu, the Eddie Bravo Invitational coming back. Just so many good things for your entertainment to watch on UFC Fight Pass. Let's let's come full circle with it. Original programming. We're just talking about England. The new fight lore featuring Lee Murray is phenomenal stuff. If you don't know who Lee Murray is, Lightning Lee Murray, uh, former Cage Rage champion, fought in the UFC only one time, um, responsible for one of the largest money heists in the world. It's an unbelievable story. Fight lore. You can check it out right now over on UFC Fight Pass. All right, that's it. I want to thank Norman Chad for coming on the air, uh, chatting with Norman about uh, a variety of subjects, including mixed martial arts, but also uh, poker and beyond. Um, Michael Carter-Williams talking about some basketball and his love for mixed martial arts. And then, of course, the always lovely Pearl Gonzalez for stopping by and breaking things down. Don't forget Mackenzie Dern coming up uh, this Saturday night against Marina Rodriguez. Broke that down with... Uh, Pearl, if you missed any part of the show, check out the archive over on UFC Fight Pass. If you're more into audio, you can check out the podcast wherever you get podcasts. It is available for you. Just do a search for UFC Fight Pass, extra rounds, all that fun business. It should come up. For Pearl, I'm TJ. Thanks for going a few extra rounds with us right here on UFC Fight Pass. This concludes our live broadcast of Extra Rounds. Are we still on the air? Watch the archive anytime on UFC Fight Pass or Facebook.com slash UFC Fight Pass. You can also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.